0: Is this thing on? No. Damn. Hello and welcome to another episode of Meta Side Kicks. My name is Liv. This is M. M. What do you want to say?
1: I want pizza with ranch.
0: We can make that happen.
1: Specifically, pizza rolls with ranch. Tostinos or off bran? I don't know. I normally eat neither of those, so. What pizza
0: rolls do you eat? The Annie's ones? Yeah. Yeah. I've never had those ones. I assume they's they're organic. <laughs> or something. I don't know what makes them organic because they're cheese and bread. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So today we're talking about the Penhurst Asylum. And honestly, that is a correct sound for it. It makes you just annoyed and slightly EBGB ish. If you don't know or you're new to the podcast, Emma and I are psychic mediums, twin flames, best friends, and uh, psychic comedians. So this podcast is a paranormal metaphysical comedy. So if you don't like insensitive jokes about sensitive topics that fall under the category of paranormal, metaphysical, spiritual, or anything else slightly related, then maybe don't sit here. But if you do... That's what we're doing. And today we're going to do a thing called Psychic Chicken, which is where one of us knows everything about a topic and the other person doesn't. And the topic, as I already said, is the Penhurst Asylum. It's not actually very funny, which is maybe funny. Anyways, okay.
1: Do they do uh, electroshock? I don't know. Because they always <laughs> say, we just lost all of the records. Right?
0: Yeah. I yep. don't think the records were lost. I don't know if they did electroshock. I didn't find it in the notes, but it is an asylum. <laughs> so it's not. Yeah, there's perfect. this dude with
1: dark hair. Um, I don't know. Every time they tell me about electroshock therapy, I uh, always feel like pressure in my teeth. Because they can't control their like muscles. So they like clench down on their jaw. Mm, that makes sense. Um, but he had electroshock therapy. I also feel like he lost time, and I feel like that was based upon whatever mental disorder he had. So that's the only thing I get so
0: far. Okay, it says electroshock therapy was developed then in, in the late 1930s with the first recorded treatments at McLean Hospital taking place in 1941. So, given the history and when Penhurst Asylum was. Founded, it is very plausible that electroshock therapy was indeed used. Great. But not recorded. (laughs)
1: That I can find. I don't know. I feel like they say that for every asylum. Yeah. Why not?
0: Uh, Yeah. Okay. Do they do surgeries on people? Uh, yes. There was a hospital. I
1: don't know. Okay. Because I can't tell if it's, because I don't know, I'm talking to someone that loses time. It's hard to talk to him. So he's telling me that his head hurt really bad and I don't know if it's from the medication or if it's from them doing things to him and it's like the top portion of his head like the crown part. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I also feel like they like strapped him down a lot. That is probably very accurate. I feel like he had hallucinations, and then he would get strapped down, and then he would sort of, like, wake up from the hallucination, confused as to why he was just, like, there.
0: How old are they? Like, 20s. Okay. hmm Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to read things. Feel free to interject. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. Officially closed in 1987. The actual name of this location is the Eastern Pennsylvania Institution for the Feeble Minded and Epileptic, aka Penhurst. It was created a part of a national trend of its time to segregate people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Society deemed these individuals as defective, degenerate, or unfit from their everyday lives. Public health officials such as Martin Barr who lived from 1816 to 1938, Joseph Neff, who lived from 1854 to 1930, and George Stanley Woodward, who lived from 1863 and
1: 1952. You said
0: it's a, sorry, epileptic. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Even like back in the day. Yeah.
0: Does this guy just have seizures? They used the word epileptic for a lot of things that did not just mean epilepsy. I'm just making sure, because
1: I don't know what a seizure feels like, but maybe that's why it feels like electroshock therapy, but I'm probably just explaining it away.
0: Hmm. It could be both. I mean, I honestly don't know, but I was also confused by the epileptic part, (laughs) but as I read, you'll learn more. Yeah. So these three men and other medical professionals felt there was an ever-rising number of people with hereditary feeble-mindedness. They felt the only way to quell the tides of the feeble-minded from mainstream society was with perpetual quarantine. However, they were worried that the other two PA institutions, Polk State School and Hospital, which was run from 1897 to present day, however, Polk State School is no longer a state-run institution as of May 1st, 2023. And the other institution at the time, the Pennsylvania Training School for Feeble-Minded Children, aka Elwyn which was operated from 1852 to present day, would become overwhelmed. So they persuaded the PA State Legislature to create another mental institution. Situated on 1,400 acres, the self-sufficient facility sat on the outskirts of Spring City, Pennsylvania, in rural Chester County. Penhurst School housed more than 10,500 people over the eight decades it was open, with more than 3,500 at its peak not ridiculous
1: yeah i don't know i've been to a few
0: asylums it just makes me angry that they're like we have to keep these people out of mainstream society because they're a nuisance it's It's ridiculous
1: yeah it's a reason to make them feel better about themselves
0: the entirety of penhurst was constructed in multiple stages It included upper and lower campuses with a series of underground tunnels which connected the principal buildings. Architect Philip Johnson was key to the compound's cottage style design and layout. A railroad line butted up to the back of the property and brought people and supplies in along the Skulkilly River. And like this went as far as the Pennsylvania Railroad, like fucking Monopoly style, making a rail line specifically behind this institution and several stops on how people could get there through the railway. Like that's how big this place was. Got you. So Penhurst like many mental asylums of its day was a quote working institution meaning residents labored in fields on dairy farms in a wood shop and other segments akin to peonage. So if you don't know what peonage is, it's the use of laborers bound in servitude because of a debt. So it's very much like the Fairfield Infirmary where you know, people just had to work in order to live there.
1: Yeah, that's usually how it goes.
0: Mm -hmm. So if you guys are interested, check out our Failfield Infirmary investigation on YouTube. Anyways, the following information I took from a pamphlet that I was able to find written by the school dean at the time who was James S. Dean, M.D. And I think the pamphlet was from the World War II era because in one of their segments... It talks about how telephoning patients wasn't favorable because of the war at the time. So, like, telephones were being used for other things. Got you. So, I think it was, like, the 40s. But -hmm. I couldn't find, like, a published date on the pamphlet itself. But this is straight from the school. Interesting. (laughs) So, the compound at this time was 40 buildings equipped with its own power plant, numerous dormitories for boys and girls, The school was equipped with modern hospital wards, operating rooms, pharmacy, x-ray, dental clinic, and pathological laboratories, an administration building, library, laundry, garage, ice plant, sewage disposal plant, two large and several auxiliary diet kitchens, a mattress, tailor upholstery, woodwork, carpenter, paint, and machine shops, and they boasted at the time a total operating cost of 67 cents per day because everyone was working so damn hard. Yep. <laughs> Mind you, as I get into this, it'll become more apparent, but this place was advertised as a place for children, not adults. Mm-hmm. They took in people from the age of six to 16. Okay. Were there adults there though? There was. Okay, cause
1: was I was asking this this dude, I was like, you look like you could be 16, but he kept telling me older. Mm-hmm. So did they, like, admit him when he was 16? They
0: might have. And he just stayed there? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it gets worse. Great. <laughs> so more information from the pamphlet. They had certain classifications for patients. So. According to the pamphlet, it said that they did not accept patients with an IQ higher than 70. Fun fact, the average IQ of humans is between 85 and 115. And children the ages of 6 to 16 with only a few patients remaining there that were above the age of 40. So they said once people were above the age of 40, they had to like find their own place to stay. But they took people or children from the ages of 6 to 16. So, children were grouped in various dormitories based on age, sex, IQ, and physical condition. The information pamphlet then boasted that at least 90% of the children are perfectly happy all year round. And they said, right? And they said, quote, approximately one-third of our patients are paralyzed, helpless, and absolutely hopeless for training. For these unfortunates, we can render only custodial bed care, In many instances, these children could better have been cared for at home and their presence here simply deprives an opportunity for a more hopeful patient on our waiting list. While we therefore discourage the admission of such hopeless cases, every medical and nursing attention necessary is rendered them. So they call them unfortunates and then say that they can only give them custodial bed care custodial bed care means that they were strapped to beds Ah. 24 hours a day interesting seven days a week
1: interesting
0: yeah because i was like why are you
1: telling me that because like i obviously realize that they're gonna do that to you regardless but it's interesting that you're telling me about it
0: and they literally say like we don't want these people here but they were Mm. a state-run school school loosely used. So I'm sure there was a lot of pressure from the state for them to take in other types of people, which was not what they Yeah, that makes sense. Outlined.
1: So um, people I feel like this man was admitted when he was sixteen.
0: Because I sense. thought it was
1: weird that he was telling me about being sixteen. But like when I was like, okay, you're sixteen, he was like older.
0: Yeah. So here so I have no idea. Yeah, it's really not fun. So here are some rules that are outlined in the information pamphlet that this dean of the school at the time made for parents to read before they took their children here. (laughs) Rules on admission. Parents must accompany a child to obtain adequate medical history. The days for admission are Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. and 1 o'clock p.m. to 3.30 p.m., Lunch is served from 11:30 to 1 p.m. and if you come during these times or this time on Mondays and Tuesdays, you can go to their canteen, which is located in the bottom of their gymnasium. And any money or profits that are raised from the canteen go towards like the children's fun fund, basically. The fun fund. Yeah, so that they could have okay. movies and like mm-hmm. Labor Day movies? celebrations. The next four rules on admission is except in the instances of serious illness, no visits until two months after admission to aid child in the adjustment of their new life and medical studies of the staff on the child's behavior and needs. So if you admit your child, you're not allowed to visit them until after two months of them being there by themselves because they said that it could influence the child's adjustment of their new life and the medical studies that were being Taken on them, adjustment. And lastly, the rule on admission is your child's doctor. They advise the parents to get the name of the doctor who admits their child because they will be the one that they need to ask any questions to and for in the future. Next, rules on correspondence. No routine letters. This rule outlines that no normal letters will be sent to the parents regarding the child's welfare due to high volume of patients unless you write a letter to the superintendent in which the superintendent will reply in a timely manner. You have to address all letters to the superintendent, otherwise the letters will not go to the patients. Patients are forbidden to write letters to one another. Parents are discouraged to write letters to patients other than their relatives. Parents are discouraged to write letters that will make their child homesick or upset his or her happiness or emotions and asks them to refrain from sending magazines or other literature about love, sex, crime, or horror. They encourage parents to ask permission from the superintendent about writing to the child regarding parole, vacation, or being discharged, and it reminds them that Penhurst has their child's best interest at heart and that there are often medical school or other reasons that the child should remain at the institution instead of going on vacation parole or being discharged and they also ask parents to refrain from sending perishable foods it's just weird to me so there's rules for visiting no visits for the first two months post admission except in cases of serious illness there's no visits on legal holidays let's just talk about you admitted your child an unfortunate to this institution Mm -hmm. and if you really are putting them in there because you think they're going to be able to get help which is what this institution said they were supposed to be doing was helping them so they could actually like be productive people in society you're not going to have them visit on any legal holidays that's no fourth of july no christmas no thanksgiving no new year's that's like all the important times that someone would want to be visited So why are you not able to visit your kid on a legal holiday? Well, it's also fucked up that
1: they're not allowed to visit the first two months. And it's literally because they have to brainwash the children into being okay being there. (laughs) That's what it feels like to me. That's what it feels like to me too.
0: Visiting is only permitted on Thursdays and Sundays between the times of 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. unless the patient is seriously ill. Then visitation is allowed as needed. Normal visits are only allowed in the visiting room. And no questions are to be asked about the patient's progress unless directed to the child's physician. Physician. There we go. Physician. Physician. (laughs) Fiduciary. Anyways, and if the child's physician can't answer questions, then they have to be addressed to the superintendent, but only by appointment. For hospital visits, you're only allowed no more than two relatives in the building at a time. And the visits are only between the hours of 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. or 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Which goes against what they said for illnesses on the other days. That it's only Thursdays and Sundays. I don't know. It's just weird. Mm -hmm. Now, here are rules for vacation. Parents must give three weeks written notice to the superintendent. No vacations are permitted until after the child has been at the institution for a whole year. No what? No vacations. So you need you, to leave, yeah, they're not allowed to leave unless they've been there for a whole year. I'm surprised they're allowed to leave in general. So, no return if the patient is exposed to infectious disease unless there's a doctor's note that's given. And the customary times for vacation are July and August, and this is given as not to disrupt the school or training program for the child. Training Serious. program, yes, yeah. All right. So this says, quote, on admission after parole pictures. So in the pamphlet, they provide pictures of before and after photos of children that were admitted. So it says like on admittance and then after parole. So it says provided with an excerpt from stating that the ultimate goal of Pennhurst was to educate, quote, the trainable patient to become self-sufficient and self-supporting so that they were no longer dependent on their parents or the taxpayers of the commonwealth those who could show proficiency would be put on parole one and then parole two if they succeeded they would then be discharged from the school entirely parole one was parole with parents that sounds like visiting Mm -hmm. and then parole two is parole two with an employer so If you got to make it to parole number two, you can make money, but the income is deposited into an account at Pennhurst for you. And funds are withdrawn, quote, as needed. Hmm. So I don't know if Pennhurst was able to take money away from you to pay for your stay there. Mm -hmm. Because it also outlined, like, when you admit your child, we'll go over your finances and see how much you're allowed to pay the state. Yeah. Type thing. And I feel like if you were there long enough and your parents are like, I can't pay for it anymore, but you are in parole too, then they might just take money out of your fund and then you're never going to leave because you'll always have a bill. Got you. But I don't know for sure. Good. Now we have other sources. If you want to read that pamphlet, I will put a link in the description below. Um, cause it's pretty cool. It's literally every page of a pamphlet that was given out during the 40s or whatever 30s or 40s and it's Mm -hmm. wild like the dean even boasts that the people that lived at the school printed that pamphlet for them to read and made it in their own print press weird they're like they make everything you can even buy gifts at our gift shop like weird stuff so other sources have the following information to provide so while this information may have been outlined in their 1900s, I want to say possibly 1940s, information pamphlets, other sources deem that the institution opened in 1908 and the state-run facility was pressured to accept not only mentally and physically handicapped citizens of the eastern PA area, but also immigrants, criminals, and orphans. In only four years the place was built to house no less than 500 patients, but was overcrowded and underfunded in less than four years. Interesting. Yeah, so built in 1908, and in less than four years, it was overcrowded and underfunded. In 1913, the Commission for the Care of the Feeble-Minded was appointed and stated that those with disabilities were, quote, unfit for citizenship and posed a menace to the peace. You literally are the head Of the Commission for the Care of the Feeble-Minded, quote-unquote, and that's what you have to say? Which is what? That those with disabilities were unfit for citizenship and posed a menace to the peace. Well, yeah, that's why they have that. That's ridiculous. But you're supposed to be the
1: advocate for these people, and that's what you're saying. Well, no, that's the reason why they had it. Had the school? Yeah, because I feel like that saying that is just like, validating that it's necessary to have
0: asylums it makes me angry yeah no i know so in the by i think it's biannual report to the legislature submitted by the board of trustees penhurst chief physician quoted henry h goddard a leading eugenist saying the following every feeble-minded person is a potential criminal the general public, although more convinced today than ever before that it is a good thing to segregate the idiot or the distinct imbecile, they have not as yet been convinced as to the proper treatment of the defective delinquent, which is the brighter and more dangerous individual. Dude was a physician there. Yeah. Absolute ridiculousness. <laughs> so along with age and gender, patients were grouped into several mental categories of imbecile or insane into physical categories of epileptic or healthy, and into dental categories of good, poor, or treated teeth when admitted. So we went through the admitted things of like the IQ has to be 70 and there's dormitories for boys and girls and here's our school program. We have a choir. They put them in order of that. Of this, but Mm -hmm. it's not in the fucking pamphlet. Mm -hmm. As early as July of 1913, there were reports of abuse. A man named John Jacobs was arrested and charged for beating two young men who just didn't move fast enough for his liking. He beat both of these men with a wooden club. So when you said the top of your head hurt, that's what I was thinking about. Oh. Yeah, because I couldn't figure out why it hurt. Mm Mm-hmm. Because
1: it's hard to talk to this man because he kind of like. It's hard for him to articulate thoughts. Yeah, because he's like so drugged. Mm Mm-hmm. So everything is just slow and heavy. Yeah.
0: By 1923, there were accusations of mismanagement of funds. The superintendent, who every single letter had to be, you know, addressed to before it even went to a patient. And any money that was sent to the school had to be addressed to the superintendent, too. Mm -hmm. That was in the pamphlet. Interesting. Could you imagine, like you send your child to like a normal school and you have to give them lunch money or something and you forgot and you have to address it to the principal and not your kid. Yeah, exactly. Um. So the superintendent was paid $5,000 a year, which in today's monetary equivalent is $79,000 along with full residency there, an expensive car that was paid for, two servants and a chauffeur. So Here's where the outrage starts to come in. This place was opened in 1908. Chilling media exposés and other forms of media late in the 1940s created a growing public movement led by family members and new groups like the Association of Retarded Citizens, or ARC, and they began to protest the practices at Penhurst and other institutions. The most influential media source, though, for the mistreatment and the atrocities of Penhurst was published in 1968. Philadelphia newsman Bill Baldini created a five-minute, five-part television report entitled Suffer the Little Children, which filmed footage of half-clothed children wandering aimlessly on the ward accompanied by the everyday sights and sounds of the institution. So according to a website called Weird New Jersey, which I cross-referenced this information with a lot of other sources like the Philadelphia Encyclopedia, and other .orgs of Penhurst's history. Images of full-grown hands and feet were bound by straps to adult-sized crib beds. So when you said I was... The soul was strapped to a bed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Full-sized adults that were on what they call custodial care. Mm -hmm. Custodial care is where they're just, like, bound to beds all day. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So... Inmates of the institution were shown rocking, pacing, and twitching. Many were severely disabled, either mentally or physically, but others were quite lucid and coherent, but withdrawn into themselves because of overstimulation of the senses in the loud and sometimes frightening place and a lack of much mental needed stimulation. The five minute news segments were entitled Suffer the Little Children. One patient was asked by the interviewer what he would like the most in the world if he could have anything he wanted. And the sad and withdrawn reply simply was to get out of Penhurst. Another portion of the 30-minute documentary footage showed one of the hospital's physicians describing how he dealt with a particularly vicious bully who had brutalized one of his other inmates. He described how he asked one of his colleagues which injection would cause the most discomfort to a patient without permanently injuring them. He then proceeded to administer the injection to the bully. So according to the Philadelphia Encyclopedia, so disturbing were conditions in institutions like the Penhurst that in 1985, the U.S. Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall denounced the, quote, regime of state-mandated segregation and degradation, and that its virulence and bigotry rivaled, indeed paralleled, the worst features of Jim Crow, unquote. Residents themselves, now called self-advocates, soon joined the campaign for more humane treatment and equal protection under the law. Penhurst figured prominently in several civil rights lawsuits filed in the 1970s, including the groundbreaking Haldeman v. Penhurst State School and Hospital, which was settled in 1984 and led to the institution's closure three years later. Alderman versus Penhurst opened the way for greater educational opportunities and community-based living arrangements for people with developmental disabilities. In 2010, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, joined by the Penhurst Memorial and Preservation Alliance and the Public Interest Law Center of Philadelphia, dedicated a historical marker to Penhurst's enduring legacy in Pennsylvania and in American history. However, today, a man owns the Grounds and he uses the administrative building of the institution as a haunted house seasonally. Mm -hmm. And people are pissed about it. Yeah. They're like, you can't hold a fucking haunted house at this place. Like, there was a newspaper article written that literally said, like, um, this soul of this man, I don't know, is
1: making me feel really sick. So I feel like they injected him with stuff that, like, numbed everything. Because I feel like that might be why he was losing time.
0: Yeah, I'm sure.
1: But I don't know. I still feel like he may have had like hallucinations and then being on this medication made it so that he would have the hallucinations but be unable to move. Obviously, he was bound, but I feel like that's why they gave it to him. Yeah. He would have hallucinations and then people would overreact and like be scary towards him, so he got deemed
0: violent. Makes sense, but oh, so Pottstown Mercury newspaper I don't know what year because I can't make it out, but it says Penhurst, the shame of Pennsylvania, and then it goes into a dissertation or expose that is titled A Vast Junkyard of Wasted Humans. <laughs> Like that's how bad this place was, and this guy's like, "I'm gonna have haunted houses," which is yeah. not the that's coolest a lot thing of ever. Do that. He also says that, in his defense, he's only holding the haunted house in the administration buildings, which isn't where people actually were like harmed or held. Mm-hmm. So just to talk about his place too. Um. So let's get into the hauntings. You have anything to say before we get into the hauntings? No. Okay. So not many people have been here. Uh Ghost Adventures went there. And then the yeah. person that owns the Zach Bacon's Pennhurst Asylum right now. No, not Zach Bacons. Yeah, no, he doesn't own it. No, <laughs> Someone well else. I was does. gonna say it's been there. Oh yeah. Talking
1: about people who've been there.
0: Yeah. Bagel bites has been there.
1: Bagel bites.
0: <laughs> um they have a like on site paranormal investigation team but when i went to go onto their website they're not there anymore it doesn't say that it's like a thing so yeah i don't know it's a Shore paranormal research society sprs this is where a lot of their information has come from but again i typed on their link to learn more about the hauntings that have been there since apparently they're the in-house paranormal investigation team for the penhurst asylum and it wasn't there anymore so i don't know hauntings include doors slamming shut disembodied voices and sounds are often heard from the inside of the buildings and when the buildings caretakers look for trespassers no one is there a ghost a ghost A spooky ghost what, what if they actually like caught that on evp what a ghost a spooky ghost <laughs> That would be me as a ghost. They would. Haunting a (laughs) sheet. So the buildings used to be labeled like alphabetically with like actual alphabetical letters like A, B, Q, I, J, K, whatever. And then later in the years they got names. So here are the associated hauntings with the building's name. And I tried to find like what the buildings were used for, like if they were dormitories or not. Because if you guys look up pictures and I'll try to post some on like the Instagram post. At Meta Psychics for you guys to look at. The dormitories had three floors. And on the third floor, that was like the living quarters for people. And then the rest of the building was for like other activities and shenanigans. So the Quaker building. Shadow figures are often seen as well as full-bodied apparitions. One of these is a small girl with long black hair. I bet her name's Emily. Well, it's probably Sarah or Elizabeth or both. <laughs> Mary Sarah Elizabeth, or just or no,
1: Emily a, Sarah
0: Elizabeth. And
1: she has a big red dog.
0: Oh, House. Um, I think the main character's name is Emily. <laughs> Anyways, one of these in the Quaker building is of a small girl with long black hair. The Quaker building also has reports of people being shoved and scratched and items being thrown from across the seemingly empty room.
1: A hundred the, little, the little girl with black hair is not a little girl.
0: Oh, of course not. 100%. <laughs> Let, let me know. What, d- what name does she prefer the best? Emily, Sarah, or Elizabeth? She doesn't talk.
1: Unfortunate her for her. touches the floor, though, for me. Ooh. And then turns into
0: black smoke. That's why I know she's not a child. So it's <laughs> fine. Everything's fine. And she wasn't a little girl. Yeah. Uh, In the Quaker building, there's also reported a hunched over presence with long, dangling arms. That's me. Yeah, boy. And the upper portions of shadowed bodies can be seen looking over or around objects. Doors and rocking chairs have been observed moving without anyone near them. And an investigator from the Shore Paranormal Research Society has been shoved from behind on the stairway hard enough to have a deep red mark left on the small of their back as well as being scratched on the arm. There's multiple EVPs of go away. I'll kill you. I'll kill you! Sorry. We're upset. Why'd you come here? And an unknown male is caught saying, I'm scared. And a disembodied woman's voice was recorded asking, why won't you leave? In the Limerick building, there's an apparition of a nurse who has been spotted, and she's wearing old-fashioned nurses' uniforms. The Mayflower building has been reported that there are shadow people evps and one of the investigators being touched and in the philadelphia building there are loud sounds and voices heard coming from it investigators have surrounded the building and entered it via the tunnel system but no one was in the building nor could they have fled without being observed what do you think do you like my horrifyingly tragic story that i cried twice while researching (laughs) why did you cry it makes me really angry well yeah I mean, it's asylum. That's how they work. It makes me angry. And then two of the three in PA are still open. That Elrin or Elrim one and then the other one. Like, they have original buildings and everything. Like, the only reason Penhurst got shut down is because the crappy shit, like, inhumane, morally disgusting shit yeah. that they were doing got out. But it's like, well, what about these other places? I don't know. I just... It makes me think, like, are things haunted or do they become haunted once people leave? Or are they always like that? Like, maybe if this place was still running and was actually managed correctly, like the other two places seem like they are nowadays, would it still be haunted? Do you think it might help the energy, though, instead of making it down?
1: Like, I feel like. Well, yeah, it wouldn't be heavy energy, but, like, hotels are haunted. Is that what you're asking? Yeah, that's true. (laughs) I just feel like everywhere is haunted but the reason why certain locations are more haunted is because either something tragic happened or like some weird life story or there's a lot of people in that area because when you have a lot of people most likely you're going to as a non realized medium or whatever you're gonna see people haunting shit because there's more possibility because there's
0: more people yeah it just makes me sad I feel like It could be so good and, like, those buildings and that land could actually be used to, like, maybe not undo, but, like, rectify the shit that fucking went down. But the dude that owns it is like, oh, I'm going to run a spooky haunted house. I don't know.
1: I mean, most places do that, honestly. It just makes me sad. Yeah.
0: Because I like like, old buildings, though. Like, I would like them to be refurbished and just used how they used to be, Mm -hmm. but, like, better. And instead, people are like, we're just going to let them continue to be crappy and also let negative energy, like, continue to just do what it's doing. Anyways, it's like someone commented on our YouTube video when we reacted to the Newland house with Mackie and Amanda. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I don't understand why this place is haunted. There's not a reported murder or suicide on it. You don't have to die there. Exactly. I'm like, so this place could be like the Newland house where- it still has cool energy, but, like, instead, they're running haunted houses out of it. So, I don't know. That's my soapbox for the day.
1: There's multiple haunted locations that do haunted houses. Like, Madison Seminary did a haunted house for a while. So, like, it's just what they do to make money. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Hopefully, Meta Psychics gets big enough one day, and then I'll buy all those places. And then refurbish Why? them. <laughs> Cause f- why
1: fucking not? You told me that you were gonna make a like plantation with a whole bunch of animals and allow people to come look at it, or you were gonna like cure something.
0: Yeah, I so. want to uh, open a sanctuary for animals where people can come and interact with them. Like you ever watch Pitbulls and Por- No? No. I have no idea what you're talking about. There was a show on Animal Planet about this woman who runs a, like, therapeutic rehabilitation center for pit bulls and parolees. Interesting. Where the parolees are therapeutically rejuvenated by helping pit bulls that need to find homes. Wow. And I think it would be cool to have a farm where people that need to be therapeutically yep. rehabilitated can work with animals that- are happy for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And then the other thing was I wanted to start my own insulin company. Yeah. Where I make insulin at an affordable price and then completely just wipe out the rest of all insulin companies mm. so that everyone doesn't die. Yep. Yeah. And then the other one is then buying those places because why not? And then turning them back into how they should be and helping people. Good luck with that. <laughs> it starts Very with metapsychics.
1: Random niche things.
0: It oh, was just the things that bothered me that I figured, yeah. if I had money, what I would use the money to do things with. Yeah. Instead of buying private jets and oh, yeah. other stupid things. <laughs> Anyways. But yeah, you guys like our story? If not, that makes me sad. Because researching this made me sad. And I research it for you guys. So, yeah. Naturally. If you guys like stuff like this, make sure to comment review us on Spotify because you can, no, it's rating us. You can rate us on Spotify or you can leave us an Apple podcast review and leave a dad joke or something funny that you liked during this podcast. Although there wasn't very many jokes during this one because it's hard, but we also have dad jokes on our discord server. If you're interested in becoming a patron, you can do so by looking at the show notes below. And I'm also going to post the video, a link to the video, the they'll suffer little children if you guys want to watch it. I didn't watch it. I tried to and I got sad. So, I I'm also that person that doesn't like to watch things that are sad on TV. If you just tell me about it, I know it's sad. I don't have to see it too. You know, some people are like, "I need the visual," but I don't need the visual. So, anyways, dad joke on on a Discord. Okay, there's a picture of Goofy and he looks like he's stoned. And it says, "If you drift a Tesla, Is it called an electric slide? I don't get it. She's smirking over her fucking microphone. You do get it. Get what?
1: We are your meta sidekicks. Wow. Wow.
0: I wish I could violently fart rainbows out of my butt. You do. Unfortunately, they just shoot out of my eyes as laser beams. No, they definitely shoot out of your ass.